This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Look who's here, Dr. History. Good morning. Good morning, Zeb. How, How you are doing? You? I'm, I'm doing good. Good, good. Hey, before we go, I want to just say hi to a few listeners. Okay. Dave, Austin, Sean, Val. When they go to my webpage and send me a comment, I always reply. So to the iTunes listeners or anybody, just if you want to send me a comment, and sometimes I get a correction on a, a pronunciation or an idea for a show. So... Anybody that, uh, you know, I appreciate getting comments uh, from, from the webpage. So thanks to those listeners, and uh, appreciate that. Well, that's nice. So, that's real nice of you. Well, I'm a nice guy. Well, well it's <laughs> open for debate, but that's okay. okay. Depends we, on who you ask. We had three great weeks of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and that ended last week. Interesting. Very yeah. well done. Now what are we going to talk okay, about? Okay, if I say the Silver State... Nevada. Uh, Nevada, obviously. So we're going to talk about the Comstock load. Okay, that's California. Well, no, it's right there, uh, Virginia City. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, well... That's where Bonanza was filmed. <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. right. But, you know, Nevada's known as the sagebrush or the Silver State. Right. And the first recorded person was actually a Franciscan monk in 1775. Wow. And then another guy we've heard of eight, in 1825, Peter Ogden, and a group of Hudson Bay Company travelers uh, traveled through Nevada. But then John C. Fremont, Kit Carson, they were kind of the first people to really do any serious exploring of the state of Nevada, and that was about 1843-45. Now, uh, this was part of California, it's kind of Nevada. It's, uh, anyway, the Washoe country is named after the Washoe Indians, and I hope I'm saying that right. I've always heard it, Now I'm not correcting you, because I don't know for sure either, I've heard Washoe. Washoe, and that probably is I right. don't know yeah. for sure. Yeah. But anyway, it was in this Washoe country that gold was discovered in 1850, and placer gold was the first type discovered in this country. Okay. So the, there's two brothers by the name of Grosch, G-R-O-S-H, brothers, and they knew a little bit about mining besides the placer mining. So mm-hmm. it was either 1851 or 53, there was a guy named Jose and Alan Grosch arrived in a place called Gold Canyon. They were sons of uh, Pennsylvania clergymen. They were better educated than most miners, and they had done their homework by actually studying geology and mining before they traveled off to parts unknown. You know, I think a lot of those miners just looked at a mountain and said, well, let's just try here. Let's dig here. Yeah, but these guys had actually studied. So uh, it was said that they had a partner, uh, a guy by the name of Old Frank, but there's no record of him. But for the next few years, the brothers found small, encouraging amounts of gold, just enough to keep them going. Now, in 1856, they discovered silver loads that honeycombed the mountain, and they spent several months mapping this out. And in a letter to their father dated, 
that somewhere in 1856, the Grosch brothers wrote, quote, We found two veins of silver at the forks of Gold Canyon. One of, their, one of these is a perfect monster. I, I assume that means that was a great find. It's a good thing, I yeah. guess. Well, they'd learned something no one else has suspected. Uh, the slopes of Mount Davidson... This is where the, the Comstock was, Mount Davidson. It was richer in silver than in gold. Hmm. Uh, a year later, they felt that they'd prospected and mapped the area enough to raise capital and to develop their claims. So they didn't just jump right in and start digging. They did a lot of homework to figure out where to go. Now, unfortunately, this story does not have a happy ending. Jose punctured the arch of his foot with a pick. Ouch! The wound, wound became infected and progressed into a nasty case of blood poisoning. And, of course, no antibiotics back then to combat the infection, and he died. Okay, this Holy left his cow. brother, Alan, to carry on alone. Well, Alan... And that was the guy that swung the pick. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, know. I don't know who hit his foot. But, <clears throat> anyway, he decided to walk all the way to California with his maps and oh, ore my. samples weighing heavily on his back. He was carrying these ore samples on his on back. A backpack. Wow. Through snow, through the mountains. Well, another sad thing, he succumbed to frostbite in 1857, and in later years, uh, their dad, Jose and Alan's dad, claimed that his sons were the true discoverers of the Comstock load. And he had uh, his son's letters to prove this, but no one ever believed him. So he had no, I guess, claim. So he died at home? Well, the two brothers, no. The no, one, no, no, no. The one brother that tried to hike out. No, he died trying to get to California. They just found his body. Oh, He my. froze to death. Yeah. So, so the two sons never uh, got any anything out of that deal. Oh, but. my goodness sakes. Now, there's another guy. We're going to go. His name is James Fenimore, and they called him Old Virginie, uh, along with some other names when he was drunk, which we won't go into. But his name was Old Virginia. Just keep that in mind, Zeb. Right. I've got it in mind. I, all right. okay. I remember. Okay. Now, he was not a bad man. He was uh, generous when he was drunk. <laughs> Despite his weakness for alcohol, Old Virginia was actually the best judge of placer ground throughout the Washoe country. And he'd been prospecting there uh, for probably 15, 20 years. So he knew the country, but he was a—he liked to drink a little. Okay? Well, he wasn't all bad. Uh, no, no. But so in the fall of 1858, Old Virginia noticed a flat-topped hill. It looked as if it might contain some promised gravel. So Old Virginia returned to the hill with three of his friends. Now, at first, the group found trace amounts of gold dust—not a great amount—but uh, they did name this hill Gold Hill. Okay? Well, that's original. Yeah, that's a, yeah. How, I don't know how in the world they came up with. Yeah, they stayed up nights thinking of that one. So in April, they began to dig a hole 10 feet deep and several feet wide. And as they dug deeper into the dark, heavy dirt of the hill, the gold recovered from the gravel got richer and richer. Mm -hmm. But at 10 feet, they found a vein of brick-red decomposed quartz that was loaded with gold. And the man unknowingly had stumbled upon what they call the Old Red Ledge, a vein of the Comstock load. Now, when I say Comstock, well, well, we'll get into that. I'll explain that a little more. Okay. So, Gold Canyon and Gold Hill were on the southern slopes of Mount Davidson. Okay. Now, there's two other guys that come into the picture, O'Reilly and McLaughlin. They decided to try their luck on the northern slopes of the mountain. So, this you got this mountain that 
it was looking like it could have some gold or silver. Yeah. So anyway, 1859, O'Reilly and McLaughlin were digging when they came upon the same kind of dark, heavy soil they, that had been seen at Gold Hill. Well, they had uncovered the tip of the famous Ophir vein. Ophir. Uh, Ophir. O-P-H-I-R. Ophir, I believe. Yeah. Of the vein of the Comstock load. Now... But what the man? Uh, what about the man that the load is named after? Okay, Comstock. Comstock yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. Mm-hmm. Henry T. P. Comstock. T. P. T. P. Comstock. Henry Comstock was a Canadian. Okay. okay, he earned the reputation of being a liar, a cheat, a claim jumper, and the laziest. Well, you man. You didn't say he was a lawyer. <laughs> and laziest man around. He was so lazy that he got the nickname Old Pancake because he wouldn't even couldn't even make a pancake. <laughs> he couldn't even make bread. He was that lazy. He was that lazy. Oh my goodness. Anyway, so after a few days, uh, a few days after O'Reilly and McLaughlin's amazing discovery, they had a visitor, Comstock. Okay, old pancake. He came riding up to check out what the two miners had found. Now, this is a sight to behold, Zeb. He was uh, sitting on top of a broken-down mule that was so sway-backed that Comstock's feet dangled in the sagebrush. You've got to be kidding now, you've me. Seen, you've seen sway-backed horses and mules, and that one had to be pretty bad. Oh, my. So, anyway, well, so he announced to these guys, he said that he had bought the mining rights the previous winter, and he wanted his fair share of the gold. So here's these guys that did the work. Comstock, or old Virginia, is coming up and saying, hey, I own this, but you can mine it, but I just want a portion of it. Well, the men settled down to work at the Ophir mine, O'Reilly and McLaughlin, and they did the mining while Comstock did the supervising atop his mule, maybe, I don't know. But he would urge them to work harder on, quote, my mine, and be sure not to lose any of, quote, my gold. For a while, everyone ignored old Pancake, but anyway, soon his claim of ownership had an effect on the other miners in the area, and they started to call the claim the Comstock's Load, and that's where the name came from. Really? It became called the Comstock And the guy was so lazy that he wouldn't even (laughs) change his clothes. Yeah. So this was an area, this Mount Davidson. I see. The Comstock load includes this whole area. Well, and actually this site averaged $300 a day, which was amazing. That's pretty good money back then. That's really good. What would that be today? Uh, At least 10 times, don't you think? Oh, at least. At least. But the gold rich dark soil ran out, and now the men found a heavy bluish quartz. Now, this was particularly strange because it was kind of a lumpy ore, and they really didn't know what to do with it, so they just kind of piled it off to the one side because they didn't think it was worth anything. Uh Uh-oh. Well... They sent several ore samples of this bluish quartz to Nevada City, California, to be assayed. The answer was incredible. The heavy blue ore turned out to contain 75% pure silver and 25% gold. Its value, at that time, $4,000 a ton. A ton. 4000 And that would be, wow. wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, 
but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. So the partners, uh, they actually sold their shares in this over mine. Uh, McLaughlin got 3500 Comstock got 11000 And O'Reilly, he held on to his for a while, and he actually got 40000 for his claim. So even then, you know, that was, that was huge back then. Yeah, and he used that money to start a talk show. He, oh, he must have done O'Reilly, yeah. Okay. Well, records indicate that the original owners had a high old time with the money, and they died penniless. Oh, my. They just, you know, the same old story. They didn't hang on to Lost it. Lost it all. And Comstock actually committed suicide after his wife ran off with another prospector. Anyway. He was too lazy to chase. Yeah, he just, <laughs> you know, he'd done okay, but yeah. anyway. Uh, anyway, old Virginia, uh, uh, the other guy, uh, uh, he actually was kind of a drunk, too. He didn't do much. You're and, not painting a very professional picture. Well, uh, like I say, old Virginia liked to drink, and he attempted to ride a wild Mustang while he was drunk. That he, didn't go well. He was thrown and died a few hours later from a fractured skull. Holy cow. So that's the end of those two guys. Wow. So the Comstock load has been studied by geologists and miners for years. Still. Still. And the Comstock load was a combination of really good silver and, and gold. Can I ask you a quick, uh, quick question sure. right there? In high school and college, did you study, for lack of the right terminology, mineralogy at all? Uh, no. <laughs> I well they they may have discussed. Is there that. such a word as mineralogy? Uh, I'm not sure, but you know geology. I know geology, geology or mineralogy or whatever it might be with the formation and locations of various gold veins and silver veins. You know, I did do you ever study that? I do not remember studying. Me that. neither. I may have been asleep during that class. I don't know. I see. I did that sometimes. I see. Anyway, unlike the other gold rushes, once the men reached the Comstock load. Uh, district, uh, there was really nothing for them to do during the winter because they couldn't really mine. So all the accessible mines were already discovered and owned. Now, there were no mining jobs available, available because more capital was needed to start production. Some men turned around and left while others hung around to wait for spring. Those who stayed helped to form the greatest Nevada boomtown ever. What is it? Virginia City. Oh, Bonanza. Here comes Hoss. <laughs> Virginia City. Right. Now, picture this. Virginia City in the spring of 1860 was a mess. Uh, one visitor said, quote, imagine a flood in hell succeeded by a bad snowstorm. Oh. <laughs> then he goes on to say, quote, frame shanties pitched together as if by accident, tents of canvas, of blankets, of brush, 
uh, potato sacks and old shirts, holes in the mountainside held by men, piles of goods and garbage. How in the world did they survive the cold and everything? You know, I I don't know. Wow. It was just a mess, you know? Anyway, by all reports, old Virginia, uh, early Virginia City was was bad. It was a lot of bad stuff going on there. It was typical of gold rush towns. Yeah. But in the spring, uh, about 4,000 more gold rushers showed up at the party. So How big was Virginia City? At that time, uh, well, like I say, right now it's uh, up to about four thousand plus whoever stayed over through the winter. So I see. I don't know, maybe five or six thousand. Wow. So, uh, but there were canvas tent saloons that gave way to more establishments made of wood. One such place was called Dutch Nick's. It was a bar. Dutch Nick's. Dutch Nick. Uh huh. Now Dutch Nick's was known for the house specialty. What is it? Quote tarantula juice whiskey. Oh. Tarantula juice whiskey. Customers who were still on their feet after a couple of drinks used to say that if any snakes or tarantulas bit them, Dutch Nick's juice would kill the little sneaky creature creatures. <laughs> watch your mouth. Watch your mouth. <laughs> so if you wanted to be immune from snake bite and, and uh, tarantulas, just drink a little. Of what Dutch. was in it? Do you know? I have no idea. Oh. <laughs> but it must have been powerful. Yeah. Anyway, Virginia City's economy rested uh, on what the miners called feet. Now, I'd never heard this before, Zeb, but so there were owners of the mines, all right, but they wanted investors. So those that had some money would buy so many feet in an existing claim. So a foot, five feet, ten feet of an existing claim, and that would be their percentage of the take that came out of that mine. Okay. All right? Now, the mines did produce, but slowly at first, in 1860, the mines of the Comstock load, like the Ophir, the Central, the Mexican, and this was kind of hard mining. The miners would drive drills, they would put explosive into the holes, and blast out tunnels and then they would use buckets to haul out the ore this was hard work zeb wow um and they have a lot of the chinese working in those mines it does not say that that they did no and and there probably was but it doesn't say it but anyway when it rained the miners found themselves working in several feet of water oh my the miners worked with gold and silver veins about four feet wide now, the deeper they went, the wider the veins became until they reached a width of 200 feet. So you've got a vein, you know, of this gold, uh, silver and gold quartz 200 feet wide. Wow. Now, no one had ever handled a tunnel so wide, and no one knew how to prevent the cave-ins. Oh, my. So there was a guy named Philip, and this is a German name, so I'm going to try, Philip Dietersheimer. Oh, that's good. He was a young German engineer who moved to California in 1851. Okay, Mr. Dietersheimer. Mr. Dietersheimer. And uh, it took him one month to invent the revolutionary, quote, square set. And I'm going to try to explain that. It's a method of timbering that is still in use today. Oh, to so, the mine shaft. Right. Yeah. So it's a method of timbering that he developed so they wouldn't have the, the cave-ins. Right. So, and like I say, it's used for years and years after that. But uh, so after this, the Comstock load was even more accessible. They could go deeper and farther. So, how did they get it out? Just by buckets. By buckets? It. They didn't yeah. use mules or anything? Well, I don't think it was big enough at that wow. point. And some of the shafts went down and then vertical or horizontal. Oh, my. So they would dig a hole down and then go out sideways. What did they the use for light? 
Probably those you know, those little uh, coal, the ones the coal miners you've seen oh. with the little uh, light on the front, little uh, wick on the front that burns yeah. some kind of oil. But holy cow! But and again, it's one thing to get the ore, and another thing to process it. Now, in 1861, the richest ore mined at the Comstock Lode was actually sent clear to England to be smelted. That took a while. Yeah. And the smelting is a large, high-temperature process. Eventually, they were able to uh, get that locally so they could process it there. And for 20 years, the Comstock just uh, did amazingly well. Uh, but imagine this, Zeb. Down in these uh, mines, in the, some of these, the temperature got up to 130 degrees. It was that hot. Oh, my. And they were down sometimes 3,000 feet. So these were long. These weren't just little short tunnels. Almost, wow. 3,000 feet. and uh, Down or in a horizontal well, or both? Both, both yeah. And so Holy some of the God. miners, they, they would uh, take ice water down with them to just try to keep themselves cool. And then they came up with a ventilation system with air shafts and uh, blowers. And eventually they came up with the compressed air drill. Really? And by then, they were able to drill holes with this uh, compressed air drill. and uh, The digging of that mine was absolutely fascinating to me. How did they do that? Well, pick and shovel and dynamite. And dynamite. Yeah. But by 1881, the Comstock Lode was the Western Mining Showplace, and the recently created United States Geological Survey commented, quote, the Comstock Lode is the chief focus of mining activity in the region west of the Rocky Mountains. It represents the most highly organized phase of technical mining, which was has been reached west of the Mississippi River. So that was not only a huge uh, mining facility, but they developed a lot of things that were How used long up. was it in effect? Um, you know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure. Or are they sure. still using it? They may still be using it. I did... Uh, I, I think they may still be doing some work there. Holy Because this whole mountain, this Mount Davidson. So whereabouts is Mount Davidson? I should know, but I don't. Uh, you know, I was going to look at a map so I could tell you exactly, but it's uh, Virginia City is the closest place. So right. it's over there, Virginia City, Nevada, right. by right next to the California. I'll stop at the ranch where Bonanza is, and I'll ask Haas. I'd love to. Okay. <laughs> But this is really fascinating to me, the ingenuity, the hard work, and the blood, sweat, and tears that went into mining. I couldn't do it, because I can't stand to be in enclosed places like that. Well, I'm kind of lazy, so I'd be looking and say, how can we do this easier? So you're in business with Comstock. I'm with Comstock. I'm going <laughs> to sit on that old mule and say, you guys and drag keep, your feet. <laughs> just keep it working. No, I can't I can't go into caves. I will. Ne- Somebody said one time, have you ever been to the ice cave? And I said, no. Well, let's go sometime. And I said, go ahead. <laughs> I'm not getting down <laughs> not there. Not doing it. Not nope, doing nope, it. Nope, 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 nope. Anyway, that's the story of the Comstock Lode and one of the more famous silver and gold. Uh, what we need to do is get a, what is it, mineralogist or a geologist or whatever on our program sometime. Yeah. And explain about gold and silver and how they are processed by nature to come into being. Uh, do you know all that stuff? I don't. I mean, I've read it, but I don't understand. Me neither. When you talk about the magma and the crust yeah. and the uh, all that stuff, I, I, I don't know. Well, you're supposed to know everything. I, I, That's what you I, keep I, telling trying. my wife and I when you come in the house. <laughs> I was trying to see where it might say if it's still going. Um, 
That'd be interesting. Uh, but I, I'm not seeing it here. But it does say that uh, they mined $21 million of gold and $38 million worth of silver that came out of the Comstock. Wow. I mean, it was huge. That was interesting, but I could never, ever be a miner. No way. I'd stand outside, and that's as far as I'd go. Can't uh, do it. I, I went down into a coal mine. Real quick. In Wales, South Wales. Oh, did you? Uh, where they were mining coal. And that was, yeah, I was down there for a few hours, and that was enough. You were down there a few hours? Yeah, we went down. I could probably make it 60 seconds. And to think, my my great-grandfather worked in one of those coal mines oh. for like 10 years. Man, no way. No way. Me, me too, yeah. But listen, Doc, you did it again. Thank you, Zach. All right. Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.